millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned from this crazy <laughs> mambo called life, it's that <laughs> anyone can be a birthday father, but it takes a real heart full of birthdays to be a true birthday dad. You know, I just that's something I believe in deep down <laughs> in the core of my so, despite all the clarting around, though, Michael, you can call us in front of the plane because we are all business to begin with, of course. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts if you would like. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow the birthday dad himself, Michael Hamlet. <laughs> At Michael Hamlet. Um, you can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We'd love you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow whatever they call it now on Spotify, where you definitely can follow um, on Overcast, which I continue to think is the great new podcast app of our times. I've said that. I've just discovered it. I think it's been around about 10 years. Um, pretty much anywhere you can get them, you can get Podcast Horseman, including on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed, where every Friday a brand new episode will go up. That's there through your Acast link. You can stream it on there, or indeed you can subscribe and follow and all that good stuff through Acast as well. Um, also, we'd love you to leave a five-star review if any of those apps and options are available to you. Um, as every podcast that you've ever listened to will attest to, it gets us up the ratings, it gets us up the rankings, it gets algorithms fooled and warm to our form, and it gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse. And if you want to leave us a five-star review, you get a chance of getting your name read out on this very podcast, uh, a chance of getting a star on a Hollywood talk of him. Check out the Instagram to have a look at what some of them stars look like, and keep listening on this episode. See if your review features at the end of the show. Lovely stuff. Let's go straight <laughs> into the synopsis for this week's episode. This is season six, episode two, and it's called The New Client. When her nanny quits, Princess Carolyn struggles to balance the demands of work and parenting. Mr. Peanut Butter visits Bojack in rehab. Sounds like it's time for some Mr. Peanut Butter. Who's that dog? Well, that dog, Adam Nicholas, is narrating something on some college bleachers as this episode starts. He all looks very profound and slightly forlorn. Scarf and hair windswept with the sort of lovely sort of sun setting in the background. But we quickly realised this is actually a closing montage from Birthday Dad, the cinematic epic that he was pitching at the end of season five. It's a corny, cheesy ending to the film where Mr. Peter Butter, as the birthday dad, stares at the literal birthday card that he found that got this movie made in the first place. It kind of gave him the flash of inspiration, if you indeed can call it that. Um, it pulls back to Mr. Peanut Butter, Princess Carolyn, and direct, director Flea Daniels in the editing room. Uh, Princess Carolyn is mostly asleep in the side of the chair, but springs awake briefly to says it's good, to say it's great. She's using that same autopilot that we saw in a lot of uh, season five moments, of course, when she was on the set, uh, set of Filbert. Um, 
Flea thinks it's fine, it's good to go. But Mr. Peanut Butter is so wrapped with guilt and shame over uh, cheating on pickles with Diane that it's all he can see in the character on screen. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter can't convince them to change the dialogue to sort of go along with what he seems to see behind the eyes of Birthday Dad. And then it becomes clear that he also doesn't really want to go home. He doesn't want this editing session to end. It's not something he particularly wants to confront real life in general, that is. Um, Flea has to work on, quote, the diary of Anne Frankenstein. So he has, A, he has better places to be, and B, he has more things to worry about than quality control, quite clearly. And Princess <laughs> Carolyn has to, of course, get home to a new baby. Um, they all gradually do leave the studio, and we move here to Princess Carolyn driving home, exhausted, um, and she sighs outside the apartment. Before she's even got through the door, she hears the baby crying in her upstairs apartment, and we know that her night's not about to get any easier. We'll touch a little bit on the start of the episode rather than kind of just dropping at the credits there, because that's where the episode starts proper. But there's a little bit of a direct continuation. Um, Princess Carolyn walks into the apartment after the credits have rolled, and she relieves uh, Renata, her babysitter, who immediately quits because Princess Carolyn is basically taking the piss out of her time and her generosity. Uh, the baby is crying constantly, uh, and we get a shot that at this point splits Princess Carolyn into several different versions of herself, doing all the various jobs that are required just to be a working mother late in the middle of the night. She's changing, she's feeding, she's winding, she's trying to rock the baby to sleep. Um, she finally... She, the baby, finally stops crying and Princess Carolyn is able to just collapse on the bed and call it a night, only for the light to come in, immediately wake the baby up. It's the start of a new day. She's had mere seconds of sleep and the whole cycle starts again. Um, I should point out that all of this, at the point at which we get the multiple Princess Carolyns springing forth from our original PC, um, all of it is soundtracked by a looping sort of score of crying, rattling, sighing, one after another, after another, again, again, and again, and again. Um, the morning, which is obviously just carrying straight on from the night before, is identical to the night before. The Princess Carolyn's multiply, the soundtrack intensifies, and Princess Carolyn is simply struggling to get sorted for work. She has a quick chat with Todd, who has loads of really easy meetings lined up um, as he's having a Todd day after leaving. What time is it right now? Of course, we learned that he's gone and he's looking for the next step of his career. Princess Carolyn leaves the house uh, having had the most stressful morning of her life with, quote, have fun failing upwards, and she's off for the day. Um, I mean, she's not wrong. It's not maybe as barbed as it sounds, but she's not wrong. And yes, this is pretty much a guide to what this episode is going to be. It's a guide to Princess Carolyn's life as we see it. Um, I guess a bit of fun with the Mr. Peanut Butter guilt and shame in the cold open, but all of this very much set us up for where we're going to be going. It's really horrible and really fascinating and i mean uh, fractionally is that funny in there too i don't know maybe maybe not quite at this point but seeing princess carolyn on all of her various ways that she's having to sort of acclimatize to becoming a mother and and trying to juggle that alongside work her asleep in the editing room was i mean i feel like i could give you my takes on this but i feel like as a man who is currently not a father of two children. I don't really think I'm the man to talk about this. I can only imagine, though, that when you watch this episode the first time, I don't need to imagine, in fact, you've certainly said as much, this kind of hit some chords real well with you. Yeah. Um, I guess In all of the worst possible ways. <laughs> in every single way. And I, like, I want to come on to that a little bit at the very end of the episode. But needless to say, um, this was every... Bojack does everything right. It's better than the show you like. Blah, 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 blah. This felt 
instantly and I don't I like I don't want to speak for every single parent listening or every single parent that's ever watched this show but this felt like the parenthood's stupid piece of shit. Yeah, oh my god definitely. a show has tackled something in a way that I needed to see I needed to feel I needed to be heard I needed to be broadcast for others to help others understand um all of that again feel like I'm going to labor on this a lot at the end of the episode but yes I do recall the conversations we were having the very next day that were along the lines of me taking an enormous sigh of relief that somebody out there was making television for the bedraggled many of us out there that are just looking for five minutes. I do actually think it gives a quite an interesting perspective because, yes, you, we all know you can imagine how busy life gets with that in your world. But I really think that, as Bojack has a habit of doing, use the animation so well to give you a narrative as to this is what the day is like. These I call them tremors throughout my uh, my horse and around, which of course we'll get to later on in this episode. The tremors of Princess Carolyn of the past from the other moments where she's done all the sort of the rhythm of things that she does, the certain mm. task, task one, task two, task three, and the way they have them all repeating themselves in the background as Princess Carolyn is trying to do the one thing she's trying to do in in, in the foreground in normal time. And the, the audio, the use of the audio to really just to give you that rhythm of like, it's this thing, then it's that thing, then it's this thing, then it's mm. that thing, then it's this thing, then it's that thing, then it's attempt to sleep. And I, I hadn't, I'll be honest with you, I gave I gave her, because I wanted to give her at least an hour, I gave her the assumption that the life coming back in was the passing of time, but it was like a short hour rather yeah. than just like, bam, it's immediately daylight when yes, you go to yeah. bed. So I gave her that a little bit, but it it really does make you think holy crap man this is like an all-encompassing life and obviously mm. the question and conversation that she's already brought up herself earlier in this show of you know can she have both lives can she do her mm. job that she loves and is very good at while also being a mother now i guess we're finding out and it's as you can imagine it's really hard life choice are big words a choice that you make that impacts your whole life are big words that are kind of tossed off by one too many shows. Like it's often a device to give the character something to do because you've run yeah. out of ways to write for them. It's often seen as a frivolous decision that's just uh, the next step on a couple's ladder, for example. Mm. Um, and it's played for laughs and typically, and we always say this uh, related to other things, typically kind of wrapped in 20 minutes. So yeah. th there's one there's one episode where the characters are permitted to be tired or too tired or the baby won't sleep or the baby won't eat or whatever it is. And then by the end, they've cracked it and everything's just fine. And that's obviously never the reality. And within the first scene of watching Princess Carolyn as a working mother, you're getting that. And I want to touch on the soundtrack as well. Here's a little bit of parental insight, and it's going to come across as cruel, but I'd like to think that every parent listening will understand this and empathise. The soundtrack is intentional. It's intentionally, in my opinion, there to be quite stressful and oppressive. Yeah. As yeah. you say, it's that like... Tick follows, tock follows, tick. If it's not this, it's this. And it's, and it's all day, every day. And it's it's all that by design. And it's really on top of you. It's almost like headache inducing, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Not for me. Um, I'm watching it. And I just felt such calm and relief that while I'm enjoying this 25 minutes of television, that's not my life. And mm -hmm. it reminded me of ever, if we're ever out with the children, more so when they're younger, but you get different versions of the crying baby. They just get older. The crying just becomes more expensive, ultimately. Like, you're in a in a, in a a public place, and you're there together, and you hear a wail, 
and it's something you're so conditioned to because you've got a baby of your own or babies mm. and it's not yours it's somebody else yeah and you'll look over to a friend or your significant other or whatever and you feel for them because you've lived it but there's also a right smile that that crying is not your job yeah. and i was watching this getting both i was like go on princess carolyn you can beat this day but thank god it's not my day today and it, it like and i wonder like how many as you say like the the non-parents that would be like jesus christ that looks like a hard shift and the other parents would be like christ that is a hard shift but it's not my shift and i thought yeah. like that's what made it sort of doubly effective like when i was watching i was mm. with her but i was so glad that it was her and not me um Yes, it is going to be the theme of the episode. So we're going to get a bit more of it. She gets in a car, heading off to work, and yet more Princess Carolyn's fill the shot and indeed fill the car. You've got the likes of strapping the baby in, trying to entertain the baby in the back, trying to settle her down when she continues to cry and cry and cry. Um, she gets a call uh, from Bojack, um, which of course the call wakes the baby. Um, and he's just saying that he's wanting to apologise to everybody as part of the therapy that he's going through. Everybody he's wronged deserves an apology. Uh, Princess Carolyn is a one of those people. Um, he just brushes past that immediately when you can see that she's like kind of like prepped herself to get that apology, that long overdue kind of vindication from Bojack. But no, it's not for her. It's, uh, he's after the details of an old assistant he chewed out once upon a time. Um, it turns out that like this assistant, as far as Princess Carolyn is concerned, has pretty much left Hollywood we're led to believe directly the result of this awful toxic interaction with Bojack at his peak arsehole. Um, she tries a few baby names on him. I should point out at this point that the baby is still being referred to as Untitled Princess Carolyn Project. It was a, a joke she made, of course, um, but is now the joke has become a little bit too real and she can't land on a name. Uh, <laughs> but a couple of female names that she drops in, he's uh, slept with the women. So naturally that colours his views and they kind of agree together that he's probably not the best person to uh, be a soundboard for female names for a Hollywood agent. Um, into work she goes. And there's even more Princess Carolyn's that start morphing from her. As now not only is it baby tasks she's got to do, she's got to do work stuff as well. Stuart, quote, reminds her about uh, a manatee fair shoot that she had about women that can do it all. Um, says reminds her, he's telling her right now and the shoot is taking place as we speak. He's a piece of garbage as usual. Um, she's obviously not that fussed about doing it because she's like other things to do uh amanda from the magazine rings up uh to mention this and notes that vanessa gecko is there and they talk about uh somebody that used to be a name in hollywood um karen kitada um she was a prodigious television talent who dared to take three weeks off when she had a baby three weeks and it killed her entire career um, a combination of that story and the reference of Vanessa Gecko being there as the traditional rival that has always been able to do it all kind of manipulates Princess Carolyn and changing her mind and going along. Um, a zoom out reveals at this point um, that the additional Princess Carolyns are doing seven additional work and baby related things in her office just as that call was taking place. Um, the oppressive soundtrack continues to rattle around in her head and indeed on the show as she kind of mirrors from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing it is already looking relentless and we're only a few minutes in and just to quickly jump in here before you move on i love that we get the audio bite of amanda from manatee fair she says the name katara and now katara mm. is the thing that's going katara 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 to add to all the other stuff that's already going this is going to be a recurring theme throughout the episode and it's just such a like literally hats off to the audio team in this department because it is just so well done and my word would you carry something like that with you for the rest of the day if you thought that <laughs> was what you could become unfortunately the poor treatment of women in hollywood once again it's applying the perfect pressure isn't it 
the surname the sur is, is just the latest thing to add that will rattle around Princess Carolyn's brain at the prospect of not being able to keep the train on the tracks, which is looking mm. increasingly impossible. Um, she rings Todd in a bit of a panic and asks him to take the baby for a little bit. Um, she, we then see her doze off. And as she wakes up, um, she hears him agreeing over the phone. Um, the baby is handed over through a very quick transition shot and she arrives at the shoot, um, still with Katara echoing through her head. Um, it turns out she needs the baby for the shoot. So she rings Todd and yet again, the baby is handed back over. Naturally, the baby cries throughout the photo shoot while there's other sort of mothers and babies and children on the set, um, all working at the same time, all frantically stressed out with one thing or another, or 10 things or another. Um, but Princess Carolyn uh, still can't decide on a name and then finds herself shamed by the other mothers in the room for making birthday dads. She's talking about the work that he, she, while, while she's doing it all, she's talking about what that it is. In this case, it's birthday dad. Um, which all of them read as an anti-feminist story. Um, it cuts to uh, Princess Carolyn in a studio asking an editor to feminise it. Quote, less man, more Leslie man. Cut what you need, if it makes sense. It's a bonus. So it's not <laughs> about, again, quality control. It's about that mm -hmm. instant way to make it feel a bit more like a feminist piece. Um, from there, we uh, go back to the shoot where Vanessa Gecko wants to arrange an event celebrating all these women that have done it all. Um, and she wants to do it at the Vim offices, which is all very convenient, giving Princess Carolyn yet more work. Uh, all this time, the other Princess Carolyns are multiplying behind her again um, in an attempt, obviously, to sort of reflect that Princess Carolyn has just got to try and get all this stuff done more and more and more each time. Um, <laughs> Vanessa Gecko takes, quote, the big picture stuff so that Princess Carolyn is doing, quote, all the organisation and planning of this uh, event that is quickly becoming a gala. Um, the photo um, has, the, we see the photo getting taken for the photo shoot and uh, both Baby and Princess Carolyn are screaming as the picture is taken. Um, again, nice plot development, nice exploration of the, the central idea, the central theme, women being forced to do it all. I love this again because, again, Bojack doesn't, Bojack the show never shies away from within feminism, how many um, subgroups of feminism there is to that, how many layers of it there is. Princess Carolyn, in an attempt to be what she considers the perfect vision of feminism, finds herself getting bollocked by women that see it differently. Um, none of it fundamentally stands a chance. And like, there's a, a slight commentary here on the fact that like feminism as a whole can't get out of its own way, but it's clearly all imposed upon like people like women that just try to do the best by the patriarchy i'm immediately reminded of a podcast you put me on to a while back the guilty feminist podcast mm, like yeah. immediately um and shout out to the guilty feminist podcast as well That's brilliant um, must listen ec an excellent listen for anybody who would like to delve into that world a little bit more um and this immediately struck me of like something we'll never know we will mm. you and i because <laughs> we're not yeah. women we'll never understand the the weight that comes with this because there are different levels there's different amounts of feminism that people would like to have in their lives there's different standards that people have in their lives i mean we've seen it in this show itself like diane who's ended up being consumed by her own morals and like her own standards uh to the point where it was stefani i think who was telling us she needs to kind of get out of her own way at the end yeah. of the, uh, the last season season five because Ultimately, she's making herself miserable by trying to hold herself up to a certain standard. And we're seeing it again here. Princess Carolyn, who's arguably doing too much already, <laughs> is essentially being told, it's not enough 
and he has why what you're doing already isn't good enough which is mm -hmm. what a it's just horrible it's a horrible it's a toxic like self-sabotaging mindset i guess isn't it yeah it's a um it's a cycle you get it's the it's great shout the guilty feminist because one of their central premises i guess is that like a woman will come on and naturally women have different feelings like it's not you absolutely cannot paintbrush feminism just like you can't paintbrush yeah. people and uh the women shaming princess carolyn here are not intentionally being cynical or sharp or critical they are again trying to remain true to themselves and the standards they hold princess yeah. carolyn has absolutely no control over their standards and yet suddenly it's sort of forced by them in uh, doing even more than she can manage which is already too much it's it's chaos to even imagine honestly like what a what again what a sort of to lead to your point there what a position of privilege we get to speak mm. from even just even just analyzing this what a privileged position we're in she uh, she gets home and it's more of the same which doesn't help it's just an impossible plate spinning exercise we're seeing winding we're seeing feeding we're seeing attempting to play we're seeing attempting to pick a name through a baby name book we're seeing accidentally putting the baby in the microwave as she's gone <laughs> over the shopping and just wants to cook herself some tea um she again collapses for a second sleep before the day starts again as you point out it's maybe an hour if she's lucky but the animation is there to let us know that she isn't getting enough whatever it is um she gets a call off vanessa gecko to say that the event which was then a gala has now been upgraded to a ball uh, and the fujis and other guests are booked for it um all with complex food orders which is there just to test amy sadaris's tongue twister skills we're in season six it's like they wanted to get as many of these out as they can uh, i dare say you might be getting punished by this later on in this episode of podcast horseman um i'm not making that as a promise i don't want to sell that to the audience but needless to say you think it's risen, i think it's you've, risen to a now, <laughs> you've risen to a challenge that i have shied away from since the very beginning of this podcast you and amy sadaris alike um but Vanessa hears the baby um, screaming in the background and does her trademark, bye, which just brilliantly settles the baby immediately for the split second that uh, Vanessa Gecko is doing it. That infuriates Princess Carolyn, but quietens the baby. Uh, and then as soon as the phone is off the hook, the baby starts crying again. The one noise that Princess Carolyn has hated the most over the years is the one thing keeping her poor baby quiet. Um, Back to the office where there's now 12 separate Princess Carolyn's trying to get stuff done in the background. When Diane rings with a few baby names, it's all very well-meaning. Um, Diane is just bored in the middle of an interview with a politician in a wheat field. And she stopped mid-chat, it would seem, just to ring Princess Carolyn with a few baby names. Uh, that's all we get of her this episode, which is quite brilliant, I must say, as well. This is this one little cut, too. It's very much like last week, where we got that interspersing of all the characters, but we were getting very little of their lives. We are still getting very little of Diane. It's only building the intrigue, but a ridiculous gag of her interviewing this politician in the wheat field. Um, <laughs> and then it's back to Princess Carolyn again, or the 12 of her, this time in the supermarket, doing everything she can as well as she can, um, as well as taking more fussy calls from Vanessa Gecko, uh, more tongue twister gags uh, that just ultimately add up to more work. Uh, the baby finally stops crying and laugh, but a split uh, and laughs, but a split second sweet mother daughter moment. It's broken up by yet another work call. It's from Mr. Peanut Butter this time, only it's not because Bojack has stolen his phone. He's visiting Bojack at rehab um, for some reason. Of course, we did see last week that Bojack was there for meet and greet sessions, but he 
nobody was attending for whatever reason. Um, and Mr. Peanutbutter needs picking up from uh, Princess Carolyn. Princess Carolyn hands the baby back to Todd as 17 Princess Carolyns now fill her car. Uh, such is the ever-increasing workload of the things she continues to take on. Um, she takes a call from Flea, who is absolutely raging that the feminist edits to Birthday Dad have now reduced it to 42 minutes without an ending. <laughs> the Flea dumps the project entirely. He's obviously very busy with Anne Frankenstein. Uh, Princess Carolyn's got no time to deal with that, though, as she rocks up at Pastiches to pick up uh, Mr Peanut Butter. Um, at the desk, she's so utterly exhausted that she can't even get all her words out. She's mumbling nonsense about the gala, about the ball. Um, and they mistake the needle marks in her arm, which, of course, are from holding the baby. I should point out that every time she's holding the baby, she's doing so in oven gloves just to try and protect her hands from getting pinpricks all the time. Um, they mistake them from being from other kind of needles. Put two and two together, make five, and invite her in for tea and meditation, assuming that she's just here to check herself in. <laughs> Um, she's awoken by Bojack, who knows that she's been asleep for ages. Um, and Princess Carolyn remembers in a flash that she's actually there for Mr. Peanut Butter. At which point we see what happened when he actually went home from the scene at the start. Um, Pickles was streaming as he got back to the house. Um, and Mr. Peanut Butter was still fraught with guilt to the point where a conversation that he has with the quote, Pickle Pack, on this stream turns incredibly dark incredibly quickly because asks uh why he's been so sort of down lately after his attempt to talk about memes turns into him referencing the meme of the bloke looking over his shoulder at another girl and him not being able to see the funny side of all these memes instead just noting what a sad meme she's trying to get the bottom of why he's so miserable she notes and she's a dog remember two specific times when he came back reeking of diane <laughs> she miss and she misreads that because there were both times that he said he'd left the house to do something with bojack as it being related to bojack horseman himself so she suggests she go and visit bojack and that'll fix his head they both assume that this will be the magic wand <laughs> to sort of deal with whatever it is that's getting mr peanut butter down um and that is obviously why we find him there bojack is less than pleased to have mr peanut butter there um it's a nightmare having him as a guest uh, he's sitting on group therapy, taking such a detailed interest in a patient called Doug's issues in his marriage until he's blatantly and literally projecting his own insecurities on the group and screaming in Doug's face. Um, he gets away with it brilliantly, as Mr. Peanutball always does in all these situations, because Doug is so moved by the bollocking that he says, I needed those. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but Bojack, as usual, when it comes to Mr. Peanut Butter's stupidity, is the only clever person in a thick room. He's clocked on to what might be going on, not with Diane, but with, at the expense of Pickles. He's read Mr. Peanut Butter's very obvious distress in this bollocking, um, and he just advises him not to bottle up the secret. Um, he thinks it'll help not to say anything, but he notes that it'll only impact other things, speaking from experience as he is. It's pretty good advice. Um, Transitions back to Bojack speaking to Princess Carolyn, and that's when it's revealed that Princess Carolyn has been there for two days. She has taken 48 hours kick to try and catch up on the life that she's been losing control of. Um, we'll take a break there because we're about to get into Princess Carolyn's dash back to Hollywood after this. But yeah, um, the rest that Princess Carolyn needed and deserved, albeit didn't expect, and Mr. Peanut Butter's awakening in pastiches. Uh, Great comedy and a little bit of light relief for PC when she needed it. 
find it excellent how they end up using pastiches in this episode to show you just how much all of them probably need to really be doing some sort of therapy, <laughs> to really be doing some kind of rest and relaxation, because Bojack's gone here to get away from it all. <laughs> and yet somehow it has all ended up on his doorstep. Not, And it's not his fault, it's just the nature <laughs> of Hollywood has led them all to want to go and explore this life, essentially, that he's leaving, leading, sorry, albeit for various different reasons. Pick uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, rattled, uh, riddled with guilt, and Princess Carolyn, obviously desperate for some kind of rest and relaxation, to the point where the groundhog just kind of takes her credit card and makes the choice for her, <laughs> <laughs> which is fascinating, because I also wonder, assuming that Mr. Peanut Butter gets away with paying for it as well, or has to pay as well, I guess, to be part of the session. Mm. Again, kind of a big reminder for us that if Bojack was paying like 100000 for whatever many weeks it was, they must have paid some money to be in there at least to just have a mm. couple of days rest and relaxation or as Mr. Peanut Butter joins one of the therapy sessions. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just <laughs> the, the means, they've got the means and apparently they desperately need it, whether it's like with Bojack's permission or not. That's a really interesting observation that as well, you know, because I didn't put two and two together until you said it. Um, escaping, well, escape from Hollywood. escape from LA. <laughs> um, escape from LA is like you just make the assumption that pastiche is is there for drug addicts, for alcoholics, for people taken by the life, you know, in the various yeah. ways they can get taken by the life. But Princess Carolyn and Mr. Peanut Butter are not those people. And as you say, of all the of all the ways that Bojack is trying to escape chaos, it is them too that have brought it into his life because they are still in the life and. It just, I what a trap! What a goddamn trap that life is. And I'm I'm rare in my, I can be quite cold towards the plight of the wealthy. That's mm. about the most diplomatic way I can put. It. I, I I can second that. I know I, I, you you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just I think wealth obviously has its pitfalls and obviously opens quite dangerous doors as well as amazing ones. But it does open those amazing ones, and it also is an immense privilege, like an immense one, a privilege that probably nobody listening, although maybe there are some privileged people listening to this, but just the level of wealth, it really can do things that us normal folk simply cannot do. And it always, like, as much as I want to be sympathetic to everyone's plight in the world, I always think that there's a line and it's like, I but wealth is a magic wand. It is, it is. And Bojack, to its credit here, tries to sort of suggest that maybe it's not because... Mm. Yeah, Princess Carolyn's got needle marks in her arm, but they're not hypodermic ones. And yeah, Mr. Peanut Butter is screwing up his life, but he's not doing it through drugs and alcohol. And I, I don't know, like I just, this show's so good, it almost made me sympathetic for the super rich, is I think the point I'm trying to arrive at. Yeah, I think that's why it is so good, because I think there are deaths, I understand, I we always have this conversation, I understand where that, you know, that can come from. But I always find it fascinating how, it's not as it's not a simple like some game, is it? It's not wealth. Well, you may argue the point on this on this <laughs> regard, I assume. But I always think it's not necessarily just wealth equals bad in terms of people, because it's no. not ne- it's not necessarily always just wealth that's come from a given. There are people who work mm. very hard to get it and who understand the merits of it and how to use it properly, you know, yes. without falling at the pitfalls that you've just described there. But 
in this particular situation, however, I will 100% get on your back and giddy up, horsey, because <laughs> two of the characters who are in this situation are the guys who have just fallen into life in Hollywood, and they're men in Hollywood, so they, no matter what they do, they just end up succeeding. Princess Carolyn, on the other hand, grafted her backside off, but is also one of those who gets caught up in Hollywood every now and again. The one other uh, thing I'd want to just touch on before this is the fact that I don't want to call Princess Carolyn in this narcissistic because she's not, no. because obviously she's got a lot of life that's going on at the moment in here. Like, mm. but the fact that both of both here and Mister Peanutbutter's own life plights, shall we call them, are so intense to a certain degree, Mister Peanutbutter's guilt and her need to rest, that they just have no care really for the boundaries that Bojack is trying to set. Not that yes. Bojack has ever set yeah. boundaries and uh, has ever um, respected their boundaries, of course. Mm. But I did find that fascinating that he's gone there to go and get better. And, like, he, I know people are allowed to visit, but he can't even get away from it without the madness of Hollywood coming in and interrupting his boundaries that he's trying to set up. Yeah, we're two episodes in uh, Bojack yeah. in rehab. Yeah. And, like, two of the main characters have, like, interrupted him. And he's still had to, like, burst the bubble to contact Diane. Yeah, she's yeah. not she's not gone there to bring his world back, but he's reached out to her to have that little taste of it. Yeah. Um, but she's away. Princess Carolyn is away. She's had an accidental accidental two day rest, and she's driving frantically back to Hollywood, um, where she finds out fortunately the baby is absolutely fine. But we now get a quick look at Todd's time while she was asleep, and indeed the build up to that. And um, there's going to be no extra character stuff today because very much all this character stuff is kind of woven into the Princess Carolyn story. It's a, a fish out of water, a stupid piece of shit type character profile with minor integration. So we'll just touch on Todd now. Um, or we go back to the phone call where Princess Carolyn asked for the babysitting help, and he actually said he couldn't, but it was in the period where she was asleep. Um, we missed, we obviously see now his side of the conversation rather than hers. Um, she's passed out, but Todd being so lovely, agrees to take the baby anyway and delays and misses his meeting um, around the time of the sort of two handovers of the baby because he gets the baby and then he gives the baby back and that causes all sorts of delays in his day. Um, but typically he's meeting up with an old crusty studio boss who is male naturally and made him angry, which made him respect Tom more <laughs> for making him angry in the first place. <laughs> He's uh, he's intrigued about, quote, Untitled Princess Carolyn Project. They do a wacky stack of confusion here where nobody thinks to ask what Untitled Princess Carolyn Project is. Todd continues to name it as a baby, whereas everybody that he's meeting with is thinking of it as a film or television project. You know, we've been here with Todd countless times before. They love this gag, and it's just super effective here again. Um, and his final meeting of the day is with an old friend that we haven't had, uh, we haven't met for a while, Pinky Penguin, um, who wants a, quote, two-season pickup of Untitled Princess Carolyn Project. Um, Todd agrees, obviously using pickup as the way to, like, get the... You get the confusion, even though it's a knowing one on uh, on Todd's behalf a little bit. Um, it's at that point that we get the... As soon as they agree, we get the reveal of uh, Pinky's total breakdown when he realises that it's a baby, not a television show. They've uh, mocked up a poster for it and everything without even a face on the poster because they've got everything else ready without even having a plot or an actor or anything <laughs> like that. Um, 
at this point, <laughs> the baby's been cancelled, which I think is a nice <laughs> gag. Not only, not only a nice gag at how, like, obviously the TV show can be cancelled, but how young in Hollywood we can be and still get cancelled. Yeah. A nice double meaning joke there. But now Pinky Penguin needs a show. We cut brilliantly this. Love this. Um, cut to Princess Carolyn, Mr. Peanut Butter, and Karen Katada pitching Birthday Dad as the TV show in place of the baby. Um, they've got a 42-minute pilot already ready, of course, which we assume is going to have a lovely feminist message despite being called Birthday yeah. Dad. Um, there's enough footage within the old film to make that pilot. The pitch is totally rubbish. It sounds as bad as the film would have been. It's as awful as the concept. But Pinky replies after this earnest pitch of this piece of garbage, like I said, We'll take anything, and it gets greenlit. <laughs> Birthday Dad is now going to be Mr. Peanut Butter's uh, new show. It's great, this, because it plays on Mr. Peanut Butter backdooring into opportunities, as always. But six seasons in, is that finally being a force for good? Because I loved that Princess Carolyn brought Karen Kitada in on this. She is spinning those goddamn plates, but she is not breaking them. What an amazing way to use this thing that has been effectively used to manipulate her early in the episode, she has like thrown the ladder down to a woman that was unfairly ostracized in this world and brought her back in, added credibility to something that let's be honest, desperately needed it. Um, not in this pitch particularly, but the show desperately needed it, much like Phil, but with Diane. What a just, a, a, it's very TV, but what a fantastic closing of that loop that was. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, of course, Princess Carolyn has tied all those knots together. More on that in just a bit from me. Um, mm. But also, for anybody who wants something entertaining while all of this is happening, as you described, this is predominantly a terrible idea from top to bottom, this. And as Princess Carolyn's doing the pitch... Mr. Peanut Butter is just sat there every time she mentions another thing and another thing. And his face, the animation on his face of just pure wonderment and excitement as she <laughs> delivers the pitch. Because not even he knows what she's going to come out with. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <gasps> in the way that only Mr. Peanut Butter can do, it's absolutely amazing this. And of course, shout out to Pinky, who we haven't seen in a while either, probably. It's always nice when he gets a, a little win, Pinky Penguin, as well, isn't it? And just that, like, I love... I'll again, take anything. I'll take anything. Well, like I said, I'll take anything. As if the pitch needn't have happened or it was falling on deaf ears because he just needed something. Like, he's got a boss who's got a boss who yeah. needs something ticking off by the end of the day. What a ridiculous... Like, again, a nice gag at the expense of the system that they're all in. Yeah. Like, it's always good when they take a shot because it's a ridiculous game, isn't it? I think that's the best part about it as well, that the commentary that they're making. I mean... They're making a commentary in terms of we're already doing birthday dads based on a greetings card. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> that, and now we are finding out just how the process is so stupid and how probably a lot of daft rubbish TV shows got greenlit because someone had a deadline to meet and someone yeah. just happened to come with something that resembled half a show and just plugged <laughs> it in the hole at the 11th hour. And there we go. All of a sudden, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> but but wait a minute, the guy adopting the kids is a horse? <laughs> and that's how it happened. Um, so yeah, all things considered, a happy ending for that at least, but not the ball. Princess Carolyn is uh, driving back to get there, obviously. She's 40 hours have passed by and she had all those responsibilities to, uh, to get ready for that. Um, in the meantime, she gets a call from Bojack, um, who's apologising for, quote, making your life more busy uh, this week and 
well, always. Uh, Princess Carolyn seems to sort of broadly accept the apology, um, but does ask why he didn't tell her that he could invite visitors, why she couldn't be there like Mr. Peanut Butter was. Um, and she does note that she would have come, she would have made time. Um, he just assumed she'd be too busy, but he does sort of say, well, okay. And he thanks her for that like little outreach. It's a lovely moment, that, and it's not something, I don't think the, I think it's by design. I think the writers have stayed away from that closeness between Bojack and Princess Carolyn that exists because she desperately needed to separate herself from him to figure things out. But this to me was a small tell that she has done that by being able to kind of open that door a crack again. They're, they've been colleagues, they've been lovers, they've been everything, but now she just wants to be a friend in a time of need. And I thought that was like an extra light layer that I didn't really see coming from this particular episode. But she hasn't got much time to labour on that because she's back to Vim. Uh, Princess Carlin finds Vanessa Gecko there, but she's missed the whole ball, obviously. The party has just finished, everything's being cleaned away. Um, <laughs> she doesn't even really have the energy to offer any kind of barbed retort in the usual back and forth she had with Vanessa Gecko. It's always really spiky between the two, but she's just not got the energy. Um, in fact, she confides in Vanessa Gecko. She, uh, she notes that um, the baby just doesn't make sense to her like work and like doing all of this does. It's interesting that it's come off the back of a professional success. She's immediately got that mm. to use as a kind of comparison point. Um, she says, quote, I don't think I'm feeling what I'm supposed to be feeling. I love her, of course. I love my daughter, but I don't know if I love her. I know I'm a terrible person for even thinking it, but what if it never happens? Um, Vanessa Gecko notes that even if she doesn't love all her clients' projects, she takes care of them in her work. Um, and she keeps them alive because it's her job. Um, well, now she has a new job, and quote, it is a ruthless job, ruthless. You don't have time to waste second-guessing about how you feel about it. You just have to do it the best that you can and know that that's the best you can do. It's uh, a pretty powerful pep talk from one working mother to another. Um, Princess Carolyn kind of picks up on this nice social cue between the two of them and notes that they have so much in common and questions aloud why they've always hated each other. Vanessa Gecko earnestly replies that she never hated Princess Carolyn. So PC awkwardly walks it back and they finally, we leave that. It's short and it's sharp and it's that gag, but we've left on some pretty amazing common ground between the two there. Um, it's If I can use a term from our other world, it's more than ever, baby-faced Vanessa Gecko, even more than it did in that brilliant, wait a minute, who are the bad guys episode with her and Rudebaker trying to score the contract for their small business. This was the final step in kind of humanising Vanessa Gecko, not as Princess Carolyn's rival, but as just somebody else in the industry trying to get on. Um, we're back at Princess Carolyn's. She's rocking the baby back and forth and they're laughing together. It's a really lovely, sweet moment that she's, you know, basically been looking for all the while while she's been doing all these million other jobs. Um, and she closes the episode having like done a few of the, uh, the tongue twisters just to make uh, the baby laugh. She closes the episode by saying, quote, isn't that right, Ruthie? That's obviously the baby's name. Um, the credits roll but in really luscious lullaby form, which is why the voice is going quieter, because Ruthie's mm -hmm. finally going to sleep and we don't want to make any loud noises. Uh, and that's a wrap. There's obviously, you know, more to come now that obviously we've heard the name Ruthie and what we know that's referencing. The dream that for years Princess Carolyn had in like another life that was never coming to pass has actually come to pass. And that might be the greatest payoff to all of this plate spinning is the one thing that she thought would never happen that was a fictional happy place has become 
it's maybe not always happy. It's often pretty tiring, but it's become a real place. And what a sweet way to end a hard day. A very hard day. I think we can both agree. But ending again with that nice little bit of hope at the end there, because if, whether or not it's, it's like, as you say, it's not going to be permanent. And while a lot of other TV shows, certainly from uh, years like 20 years ago would have been like, hey, and then she cracked it. And that's that was just <laughs> really easy being a parent from that point on. Um, it's still this nice moment of actually, maybe I can do this and maybe we can have this nice moment. And I think it's important to, to sort of touch on again, as, as you did before there, where this comes from. As soon as Vanessa Gecko describes to Princess Carolyn that you can treat this as another client or another project that you are, trying to handle as using the skills you have from work essentially only you might not get back what you want but it's if you can think about it in sort of very not emotionless terms but what i mean is like the pragmatic way rather than being like i need this baby you don't need this baby to love you you need this baby to survive you need this baby mm. to be fed you need it to be watered you need it to be like changed that's you need those things mm. the other stuff will come because those are the things you do and eventually uh, that bond will form but like this must be such a hard thing to juggle for any parent, like male or female, in terms of that trying to get to that point where in your head it, it's working, things are going well. But what I really love about this, with you mentioned about Vanessa Gecko and her, this is another narrative that's more important, I think, than maybe, you know, just Princess Carolyn versus Vanessa Gecko. It's, it's the narrative of how often when two women are presented in any real scenario in society, mm. pretty much, it has to be a compare, a contrast, and who's better, who's worse, rather oh, than yeah. why can't they both just be good in the same space and be friends? Why is there the assumption that they'd have to be rivals? Because they both yeah. want to do the same thing. Ergo, they must go against one another. It could never possibly be. Well, why couldn't it? They're both great. Imagine if they did something together. It's, mm. ooh, which one do you like better? That always seems to be the way the narrative goes. And I feel like this is a really good way of them explaining that. Like, these two don't have to be enemies. As we've seen, there's a whole group of them who are literally yeah. called women who have it all. But even that was a bit edgy in in, in, certain, in a certain sense. But I just love that. I feel like it was important that it was Vanessa Gecko and Princess Carolyn that doesn't have to be competition because comparison, Michael, is stupid and it does you no favours. It will get you nowhere. All you can do is what you're doing and compare it with what you were doing five minutes ago, or what you were doing yeah. five days ago, five weeks ago, etc. Like, that's the only comparison. And I love this. I really did. You're right. It's such a nice moment to sort of finish the episode on. There's always space in any world for more than one person to exist in. Uh, there's never, any, as you say, the curse of comparison. It's patriarchy. It's how, um, it's how capitalism functions, because it drives uh, empty competitiveness, where it's carrot and stick for people but it's, there's always space, there's always room. Um, and I love as well that this actually drives a deeper investment if you were the type to do it. And why not go back and watch an old episode that features Vanessa Gecko, maybe listen to our podcast after the fact, and re-watch the scenes together. And you're always watching them through Princess Carolyn's eyes, and you're always reading Vanessa Gecko through her read of it, which is that she's a rival, that she's a figure to be mocked or hated or whatever. They're having the back and forth. Somebody's got to win the conversation. It's always very last word stuff. Um, be interesting to watch those back and see if Vanessa Gecko is earnestly just trying to be herself and is not having a dig and is not 
being passive aggressive. It'd be like I, I wonder how that hangs together if you watch those back, or if she is just if she is cast out. Like I don't know. I need to go and see this myself. But if she is cast as this sort of um, vindictive figure in Princess Carolyn's yeah. life or not, and like one final, well, not quite one last thing, and then I swear I've got to shut up about this episode forever. But one final thing from the review as well that I thought was really nice. Um, just a just a choice of word because obviously we know why um, Ruthie has been chosen. We know what that calls back to directly. But I love in Vanessa Gecko's big speech that helps Princess Carolyn start to understand life. She goes for the word ruthless. When now obviously Princess Carolyn's life is very much Ruth more because or Ruth full because now she's got a Ruth there for her. Just it's like they don't have to do that, but that's effort in the script writing that makes you want to do a podcast about the show ultimately so i just really appreciate that too wonderful stuff isn't it like really i mean they will and i can't stress this enough if you are watching this for the second or third time always chuck the subtitles on because you will see extra bits of wordplay that you won't pick up unless you can see maybe the way stuff's either capitalized or just visually see it sometimes a word or a phrase or will just go by you and you won't pick up on it. But of course, that is one that really stands out in your face. Ah, of course, this makes so much sense. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, and for everybody who, I don't know if you maybe missed it. I'm sure you haven't because if you listen to this podcast, you enjoy the details. But of course, Ruthie being the name of Princess Carolyn's future in, I think in the episode, though, it ends up being like a great, great, great granddaughter or something like that, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, down the line, because she's saying it sort of in her head, is trying to tell herself that this must have happened. Therefore, mm. I have this great, 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 great granddaughter. I think there's more than that. She was pretty fine, I heard. Uh, but <laughs> the, um, I, I think it's lovely that we get that call back. And maybe also that Princess Carolyn doesn't want to wait down the line. Do you know what I mean? That's the impression mm. you get. The time is now, essentially, for Princess Carolyn to pull to pull a quote from our friends, <laughs> some of our wrestling friends. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. It's a really lovely way to end the episode. Really nice. tied the whole thing together, tied the room together, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shall we move on to our yes. horsing around segment of this show, where we go through the episode, if you're new or if you haven't already been here before, um, where we go through the episode and we sort of uncover all of these small details you might have missed, all the hidden meanings behind things and all the Easter eggs that have been planted in the episode. And believe you me, there's always a few as we go yeah. back and do this. So let's go back to the very beginning. We go to the editing studio where Mr. Peanut Butter is uh, reviewing 
the latest cuts of uh, Birthday Dad, of course. Um, <laughs> the uh, female editor who's working on the, the actual cut is using Adobe Premiere, and you can sort of tell based on the screen how the layout is with all the colours and stuff. I got a little bit of a tinge, nice. I'll be honest, oh, when yeah. I was watching that. Much like when you and I ever see Slack on the screen. Oh, God, great. What a pop. Great pop every time. Also, Flea Daniels, who is the director of the, the film that Mr. Peanut Butter is working on, um, is based, well, is a twist on Lee Lewis Daniels, of course, the director, because he's a flea, Michael, you see? Flea Daniels. <laughs> Lee Lewis Daniels, it's all, it's all relevant. It all ties together nicely. Um, also, brilliantly, of course, you did mention this, Flea Daniels talks about his next film that he's going to be doing, The Diary of Anne Frankenstein, which is just... <laughs> So ridiculous. I mean, Hollywood is just, how have we let it exist for so long is what I want to know. But um, even funnier, though, Mr. Peanut Butter, who definitely doesn't want to leave the editing studio, he wants to continue doing work so he doesn't have to go home and face pickles, um, is trying to pitch to Princess Carolyn. We can talk about what the next idea might be from. We'll go to the greeting store and, like, the greeting card store and, like, find some cards and we'll come up with some ideas, like, <laughs> Detective John, get well soon. Or... <laughs> Or Officer Mike Condolences. <laughs> or President Blank inside. <laughs> Which I think he's got pretty much oh, God. There. But, I mean, he's not far off, is he? It's that ridiculous. <laughs> That's how stupid this whole thing is. But we go from there into the opening credits of the show. Oh, boy. They are very different to what you found last week. Because, well, if you remember last week, they weren't there. They just obviously did not start. <laughs> But we did get a tease that things weren't going to be the same, and they certainly are not. A brand new entire opening credits for anybody who is interested, because usually we know the drill. It's Bojack's house. It's Bojack's living situation. It's usually whatever project Bojack's working on, followed by the party, followed by him in the swimming pool, etc., etc. But this is the final season, and they have really wanted to stick the needles to you in this one, so they've completely overhauled it, and let's just break it down piece by piece. Um, so we get the first shot. Usual, usually, we get the sunrise and the establishing shot of Bojack's house, but that has been replaced in the background with the starry sky from the planetarium, of course, from the night that Sarah Lynn died, and the camera, instead of zooming in towards Bojack's house, zooms past the house and into the, the sky full of stars. Next, we get Bojack in his dressing room uh, from horsing around, of course. What you're going to notice is as we go through, we are going through the timeline in, in chronological order, pretty much season by season, but also years upon years. Bojack in his dressing room from horsing around. And you can see it's his because in the reflection of the mirror, you can kind of see all the fan art that we've seen before on his wall about I love you, Bojack, and stuff, as well as the painting of him lying down uh, naked with a pillow and stuff or whatever it is. <laughs> I think he's on like a bear rug or something like that. It's uh, it's, it's awful. It's absolutely horrible. Um, we go from there and the film burns out as it has been doing in um, throughout all of last episode and in the beginning tease for the credits in that last episode. Uh, the film burns through on that and we go through from there to the set of Horsing Around and we're in the kitchen and obviously where we see most of the episodes of Horsing Around take place and Sarah Lynn is at the table, a young Sarah Lynn as well as Herb who is behind the camera watching the set of um, Horsing Around. The film then burns through again, and brilliantly on the face of Herb, who has turned to look at Bojack, it melts away and we see old cancer-ridden Herb, oh. who is not well at all, and we are in his house next, in that room, of course, where Bojack had the fight with him, essentially. Um, oh, no, it wasn't in that room, but he did have the argument with him um, yeah. in that particular room at Herb's house. 
we go from there again. Um, this time we've got a transition of the green, um, of the balloons filled with green glow sticks that sort of pass by the screen, which takes us over to Tasuki, New Mexico, of course, from season two, uh, the episode where the incident with Penny takes place. And if you remember, the scene there is where they've put all them glow sticks in the balloons and they're all partying away and Bojack gets that girl really drunk and then leaves her because mm-hmm. he's a terrible person uh, on the inside. We feel the film burns away again and we go to the hallway of Whale World that you may remember from season three where on the wall you will see Bojack kills in writing, of course, which was the uh, drug Bojack which was being referred to, but it has a real different context right about now in this timeline. Uh, we go from there. Uh, water rises as a transition, which takes us into the exterior of Pacific Ocean City, of course, from the episode Fish Out of Water, where Bojack has the little helmet on, and we see that little scene floating around. And then from there, uh, we move from that to the film burning out, and we go to the old Sugarman place, of course, uh, Bojack's old family home, before he did it all up and made it nice, and then knocked it down. It's all decrepit, it's all very not great. Um, some terrible memories there, I think. And it seems like mm. very important that it's, we go to the old and run-down version of that house. Um, from there, again, the film burns through and it takes us to Beatrice, who is in the nursing home by herself, the one where Bojack left here, the horrible nursing home. Uh, and it's the only time during this whole thing where we go through and Bojack has looked pretty sad or pretty disappointed or pretty upset with himself at each time he's gone through the scenes. In this one, he frowns. He frowns at Beatrice still. After all this time, he frowns mm. at her. And from there, we burn through again to Beatrice's funeral, of course, which kind of shocks Bojack, you'll see, as he goes through the transition. Um, although I did wonder, is it her funeral room or is it still the wrong funeral parlour? I guess, who knows? Oh, yeah. Uh, it does look very similar to the one from the episode, which I guess isn't mm. the right one, but I guess no. still references the episode. Who knows? Maybe a bit of a, a technical oversight there, perhaps, from the show that doesn't do technical oversight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, film burns through once again and we go to the premiere of Philbert of course where a lot of bad stuff began really but in the background you can see Gina, Todd and Princess Carolyn all posing on the red carpet as well as the giant Bojack float floating ahead above of um, Warbler Studios or whatever it's called in this timeline from there we cut to the exterior of the Griffith Observatory um, we see the Hollywood sign in the background and then we immediately cut to being on top of the balcony on the Griffith Observatory, and instead of obviously Bojack normally falls into a swimming pool, we see him fall off the edge of the Griffith, Griffith Observatory, off the balcony, and he normally falls into the water, but instead he falls into a pit of just darkness to the point where we can't really see him at all. It's just these eyes we can see, and then it snaps, and all of a sudden he is in his swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And again, we kind of get the, the usual outro from this point where you look up, you see Diana Peanut Butter, and then we get the Lilo in his pool at the end with him and the sunglasses and whatnot. All very different, Michael, but a wonderful, wonderful change to the opening credits, like really, really detailed. And just the whole short of this point encapsulated in the opening credits. Magical stuff. They don't have to do this, but they do. Goosebumps. Goosebumps yeah. stuff, I think, the first time you see it. Absolutely, um, like, ball out of your seat stuff with every sort of heartbreaking transition. Yeah. Um, and I like... I don't know, this might be sort of deeper than it needs to be, I guess, but like all that loss and all that death when we knew in real time that this was going to be the last series of Bojack, it was time for all of this somehow to come to an end and we don't know what that ending is going to be, but the credits were telling you that as well. Like it nailed nailed the feeling around the start of the season, I think. I think it really did that. And to me, it really nailed the mileage 
that we've come along with this horse. We've sort of sat along with him while he's done all these terrible things and been part of all this loss and sadness and death and sort of terrible treatment of other people and places that really have this huge significance. And you can tell immediately what the semantics they're trying to put in your head with each and every transitional shot. Brilliant stuff, this. Just go and watch it if you don't normally watch the credits or you skip them, or maybe you saw it and didn't give it full, all your attention. But you will each time you watch it, you'll find something new that will genuinely fill you full of either dread or uh, respect. I don't know, maybe both. <laughs> Who knows? We go from there to Princess Carolyn's house, and obviously, as you can imagine, it's now full of lots of baby toys and diapers and baby stuff literally everywhere in the house. There's a book on the table, though, called why cry question mark <laughs> which i'm sure she's read from cover to cover it's fair to say but what a what a oh i love todd i really do but god damn it man my princess carolyn and ramona or is she called ramona or ramada the um uh, renata renata i was close i was nearly there uh, well, she, <laughs> well she has been obviously having a terrible time todd is literally asleep on the couch with a smile <laughs> on his face with headphones over his ears and a blanket. He looks so happy. And <laughs> God, what an image this is amongst all the dread and terror that Princess Carolyn's going through. Maybe not dread and terror, but all the hardship that she's having to go through at this point. Todd's just fast asleep, not a care in the yeah. world. We go from there to just talk about this amazing Princess Carolyn animation, of course, that you mentioned already. It's such a brilliant use of animation and the way that all of the combination of the audio and the visuals just really work well together. Um, and just throughout that as well, as you mentioned, the mittens that Princess Carolyn has to wear on top of everything else, just to stop herself <laughs> from being like prickled from the spikes or the spelts of her um, her, her little Ruthie, or eventually Ruthie at this point, untitled Princess Carolyn project. Um, but then obviously you get all these amazing past and present tremors of Princess Carolyn's jobs and tasks that she has to do. Oh, God, I've written down here, literally the point I've written down is, God, I don't know how you do it, is what it says. <laughs> so you can tell us all about that in the future. As well as Mrs. Hamlet, of course, we wouldn't want to rule her out of this. She Indeed. works her ass off. Indeed, too. Um, we go from there, of course, back to Princess Carolyn's living room. Todd, once again, just having a great time. He's eating Fruit Loops, Michael, and on his Fruit Loops, with his smile on his face, before he starts his day of just having a go at whatever he fancies. They've got some whipped cream on there as well, just to make things even better for him. <laughs> um, you can see in the background there's a bunch of diapers instead of being called huggies, they're called buggies, and they've got little bugs on the cover instead, um, which I thought was quite cute. There's also another couple of books become revealed uh, on the table, which one is just called Sleep, <laughs> and the other book <laughs> is called Potty Party, Michael, which I hadn't even thought about that side of things yet, and I'm sure that's all the fun to come. Um, mm. But as you mentioned, when Todd explains his day of sort of I'm going to go and just do some meetings and have some leisure time and whatever. <laughs> she basically says, that's marvellous. Have fun failing upwards, <laughs> which is just, oh, I feel so bad for her at that exact point. Oh. We go from there, from one piece to another, as we go to Bojack, who's on the phone <laughs> to Princess Carolyn from Pastiches. Um, and you can kind of see, and there's this little background gag, you can see happening outside of Pastiches, the guard has stopped a pelican, Michael, who... He's trying to sneak alcohol into the place. He gets caught, and you see him from the bottom of his big gullet in his beak. He's pulling out a bottle of beer, or a bottle of alcohol, rather, like spirits. And then the guard goes, mm, keep it coming, and he pulls a second bottle from out of his gullet as well before walking off in shame to go inside of the um, <laughs> of the rehab facility. 
we go back from there, we go to Princess Carolyn's office and you'll see a few things in here on her computer instead of Google, which is typing in the search engine, it's Poodle, for, interestingly enough. Um, nice. And then also just a shout out to the um, Karen Katara animation as that story is being explained about how she took three weeks off. It's a bit like um, the uh, bag of mulch joke. It's not the same style of animation, but it's an animation mm. change as we saw in that season two gag with uh, Wanda and Bojack, where it's the new style of animation and we see loads of stuff going on. Very cartoony, more cartoony than what obviously we see in the episode. Um, but just it's just so good. It's amazing stuff, but also helps to really make playful the cruel and awful nature of Hollywood and it makes it a bit mm. more accessible, I guess, which is nice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and obviously from that point on, though, as I've mentioned already, the repetition of Katara in the audios is, was a nice touch, I thought, was in the background, along with all the busyness of the Princess Carolines in the visual. And then, of course, instead of um, on a screen also, you'll see a little bit later on, there's a little tab, one for Poodle, which is obviously Google, the version of Google, and then one next to it is called Wormipedia, I guess, instead of Wikipedia, <laughs> um, because sometimes it just has to be close, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> we go to the Women Who Do It All photo shoot, and, um, whoa, Michael, what a quote this is from the kangaroo woman who we meet who's getting interviewed and asked, how does she do it all? She says, I just think of myself as having multiple apps running at the same time. I have my mom app and my career app and my wife app and my yoga body app, and they're all just constantly going, all the time. And it's <laughs> just hearing it like that, as well as seeing this episode, man, it, she poor woman looks stressed to bits, and you can't yeah. blame her because she's trying to have it all, Michael. She is having it mm -hmm. all. It just comes at a great cost. That stuff is not easy, and anybody who thinks it is, is an idiot, quite clearly. <laughs> um, we've also mentioned that in the photo shoot that you see them all setting up for there's like a backdrop and then there's a bunch of props there they look like spinning tops and yo-yos which i guess feels like appropriate for these women who are trying to have it all and multitasking and mm. yo-yoing things up and down constantly and spinning tops trying to juggle all these plates i would assume as well kind of that's the semantics certainly put into my head seeing those props in the background um there's also a couple of gags in here there's a, a hen mother who's with her hen child who a hen child is kind of done up in a little pink tutu it's all very cute but she's holding an egg and as she's talking to that little one the egg hatches and another chick <laughs> is essentially born and i guess it's this nice thing of like it just keeps happening we keep having the next kid i mean as a man who has two kids you must obviously feel this just when you've got the hang of one it's now time to do the second one there's two kids yeah, yeah. It's, it's they make it a cute gag but it's also like oh it's about to get worse um, <laughs> That's uh, brilliant, this. And then we go from there when P uh, Princess Carolyn is uh, talking about names, baby names, and how she hasn't quite had time to uh, to name Untitled Princess Carolyn Project anything at this point. The animation in the background shows, of course, as you mentioned, a bunch of things, but one of them is her reading through a book called One Million Baby Names, it's called. <laughs> and God, did this make me think, oh, it just filled me full of dread thinking about how many names there is and the importance of names and mm -hmm. how you could go down that wormhole in itself for hours and hours and hours. I'm sure you probably did. Um, but I love that each time something new gets added, it sort of stays around in that baby name book. It's one of the animations that stays as we go further through the episode. Um, and of course, like the animation and the audio combination in this scene, as well as all the other ones, kind of just do a great combination, like a, a great job rather of showing you just how constant the nature of quote unquote it all 
can be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's made out to be such an empowering thing, and yet all we're seeing is what feels like it's squashing this one character into this mm. tiny little bubble of stress and pain, essentially. <laughs> um, but obviously, as you mentioned, hilariously, the photo finally being taken, and just as it looks like everything's settled, um, Ruthie, as we'll call her now, starts crying, and Princess Carolyn gets a spelk in her hand, to which mm. she screams, ah! And as that happens, that's when the picture's taken, and it's just a terrible photo altogether, really. Yeah. Um, but from there we go to the house of Princess Carolyn and as you mentioned, like the, the animation where she's just so tired and all of the things are moving around. She's so tired that things are just getting mixed up. She literally puts the baby in the microwave, as you mentioned. God, you've just got to have so much sympathy for parents <laughs> who are so sleep deprived that, I mean, just functioning normally must be practically impossible. It's hard enough for me, Michael, and I'm just <laughs> a man with no children. <laughs> like... God, I don't, I don't envy you or anybody in this situation right now. Certainly not. Um, but I'm sure it's all lovely on your side. I'm sure that angels, oh, yeah. I'm sure they never do anything wrong. Of course, it's a real piece of cake. This <laughs> angels of the lanes, man. Honestly, no angels of the lanes. You've already had your episode where it was hard. You've conquered it all. This oh, is, it was only twenty minutes, and that's it. You saw it. Completed it. Completed it. <laughs> Completed it, man. <laughs> Go from there, from Princess Carolyn's house to Princess Carolyn's car. And uh, this is where we start to have a bit of fun. As you mentioned, we get some tongue twisters back and forth between Princess Carolyn and Vanessa Gecko. I've tried my best to do these. I've just split them up into Gecko talking and then Princess <laughs> Carolyn talking. So Thank I will, you. I will, I'll inform you when we switch. But you can kind of figure it out as we go along. Anyway, Vanessa Gecko. The Fujis are in, and they love fruit, especially Fuji apples, but they're not fans of Fiji water. Carolyn, Fuji for the Fujis, but no Fiji gecko. Marion is a vegetarian, Megan is vegan, and Carrie and a few other luminaries, like Gerwig and Larson, won't eat dairy. Carolyn, cloister the oysters, say tartar to the tartar, make sure there's no feta for Greta or brie for brie. And then, of course, there'll be more later on, but that's the tip of the God damn it, imagine having record those as well. That must be a nightmare. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, we go from there to Princess Carolyn's office. On her computer screen again, you can see she's doing loads of stuff, Michael. She's doing too much trying to organise this gala. And um, on the screen, you can see the vegan catering is on one page. And on another, there's party rentals. And I just thought it was funny because one of them says tables and the other one says troughs. <laughs> I guess it's applicable because we're in a world where animals are people and people are animals. Indeed. It's all one in this world. Uh, we go to Vanessa Gecko's office though when she's on the phone to Carolyn. We got a few lovely bits here. One of which, Michael, she's got a mug on her desk that says "Number One Mom, Wife, Agent, Boss, Partner," and that is just—it's <laughs> all written on this mug. And then if that isn't enough though, as she's still talking to Carolyn, she flips the mug round to grab the handle from the other side and tips it up to have a drink, which reveal that there's more on it. It says, daughter, aunt, role model, colleague, friend, yogi, <laughs> dancer, teacher, singer, and person, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All the things yeah. expected of a woman. That's it. Uh, it's just those things. In case you hadn't, like, already done enough on that first part of the mug, there's the rest of the list just for you. Because that, Michael, is... It all. Can you imagine that? Yeah, indeed. Imagine all those as apps that are running all day, every day, forever. <laughs> cool. Sounds like fun. And uh, we go from there to Princess Carolyn in the supermarket, of course. And this is where we start to get a bit more of the back and forth between her and Gecko. So Princess Carolyn says, for this gala, gala apples over Fuji for the Bee Gees. I mean, Fuji's. But we have to keep their Fuji's frigid. Got it. Vanessa Gecko. No, 
their Fiji's frigid. Also, it turns out Marion is pescatarian and Megan is no longer vegan, but she is refusing to sit next to Chrissy Teigen. And now Carrie eats just dairy. Um, <laughs> and Princess Carolyn says, okay, Marion, pescatarian, Megan, not vegan, but does hate Teigen, Carrie loves dairy. Got it. Got it. Oh, I wish she had it, Michael. God damn it. I've You've got, got it. Smash I've it. bloody got it. We've all got it now. Also, a lovely, cute little change to Princess to Princess to Princess Peanut Butter. God, that would be a whole other <laughs> character, wouldn't it? A lovely change to Peanut Butter's avatar on Princess Carolyn's phone, which is now a picture of him as birthday dad, and the I assume the poster for the show or something. Uh, it's rather great. It's just a wonderful image. We go from there though back to the editing studio for birthday dad. And obviously, you, you mentioned an irate Flea Daniels who's upset that his whole thing's been changed. While he's on the phone to Carolyn, though, um, the girl who we've seen who is wearing the vintage rock band T-shirt, who essentially works as, like, an assistant and a, maybe now works as a producer on uh, Flea Daniels' show, um, or on his new film, certainly. She's sort of bringing across these two screen tests, obviously, for his new film, um, the Anne Frankenstein film that he's working on. Yes. Uh, the Diary of Anne Frankenstein. And he brilliantly brings over <laughs> screen test. Now, Igor, of course, is a character from Frankenstein, the little humpback guy who's all creeping <laughs> weird. But because it's a sort of combination of the two, Michael, there's two screenshots for Nazi Igor. <laughs> <laughs> One of which is Michael Shannon, and the other is David Strathairn? Strathen. David Strathen, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but you've seen the guy. You've seen Michael Shannon from loads of different things. Boardwalk Empire was where I first uh, got introduced to Michael Shannon. Uh, and David Strathen is the guy who was in the Bourne films. He plays that director nice. guy in the Bourne films. Okay. You've seen him in tons of others. He was also in Nomadland recently, for anybody who might have known. The two of them trying to get into the Diary of Anne Frankenstein, which I thought <laughs> fine in roles in their careers, I'm sure. We go from there, though, across to Prestiges. Um, and, again, the audio changes in a cute way here, uh, which Princess Carolyn has heard Flea Daniels saying, put it back together, and that is the next thing that stays in her head. So we now hear, put it back together, put it back together, put it back together, is the thing that is now echoing in her head. And also, this is probably a good time to mention, because as she pulls up the Prestiges, she's kind of reached, I think we'll call it boiling point at this point. She's... Mm. Too much going on. As you mentioned, the number count of things has increased. But you will notice also, in depending on what the certain task or nature or like mental filing cabinet part of the her brain these things have been separated into, they are now all a bunch of different colours. You'll see that each time a new one gets added, they start off as blue, then there's yellow, and then it's green, and then it's pink. Each time another layer is added, there's these multiple colours. And in her car at this point is a goddamn rainbow, Michael. And not <laughs> with a pot of gold at the end, let me assure you, only a breakdown awaits you. With <laughs> really nice touch, this on the visual side of things anyway. Um, but when she gets there, the groundhog receptionist, he's in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> it's so stupid. But he's just in the middle of this conversation. He's saying, so here I am digging a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets cut off at which point we see the reveal for his screensaver on his computer, and it's just a bunch of groundhogs popping out of holes as his screensaver. And I should just give a shout-out as well to the animation company who did it. They don't have to animate that, but they did. They've actually spent the time animating this screensaver, yeah. which is so tiny. It's such a tiny gag, but it was worth it, and it got the pop out of me that was intended. We go across to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, um, and just a little note here, a uh, little bit of trivia for you, uh, the voice actor 
who plays Pickles, has of course changed for this season, mm, Michael. Yes. Um, there was a change in the um, in the cast. Uh, Hong Chow, it was, who played her in season five. And we have switched uh, to Julie Chan now. And you have to really listen because she does a... Fa- Sorry, Julia Chan. She does a fantastic job of making it sound as much like Pickles as she possibly could. But there is definitely a notable difference. Um, mm. I really should have looked more into what the change was about. I assume maybe scheduling conflicts or something like that. But there we have it. The change has happened. A little bit of trivia for you, just in case you hadn't already spotted it. And while I'm here, I can't help it, Michael. He's never going to listen to this, but I want to give the shout out to James Hunt. Our colleague, James Hunt, former colleague, James Hunt, used to work at Watkins yes. and now works at Screen Band, who did indeed get pulled up on this, didn't he, in his article? <laughs> he did, that's right. Um, he got the message to say, actually, the actress, uh, the voiceover actress has changed, and it's this, uh, it's now Julia Chan who's in there. Which, of course, he was mortified about because his writing is so good. But even Indeed. the pros get it wrong, Michael. Even his pro, yeah. even the pros get it wrong. Check out James's stuff over at Screen Man. He does some excellent work. And I am reliably informed, Bojack content as well, when it was still a thing mm-hmm. happening yes. on His, his Bojack stuff is excellent. Check that out. Indeed. And it can be found at whatculture.com. He's still got a bunch of Bojack content mm-hmm. too. And we go from there, though, to pastiches. Sorry, James, if you ever do listen to this, he's going to hate me for bringing that up because that's such a tidbit. <laughs> bring up anyway we go across the pastiches and um as we get there you can see bojack inside there's a sign by the coffee machine and the sign reads welcome friends family and spawn <laughs> because <laughs> listen in this world of animals and people um bojack brilliantly picks up he's going to make a coffee pours himself a coffee and picks up the plate full of sugar cubes which of course is cute in itself um but he literally picks one off and then tips the whole plate of sugar cubes into his bowl and into his bowl into his cup and then puts the one remaining one back on the plate and puts it back down <laughs> one else uh, not sweet enough apparently it seems Michael but then I thought it was also brilliant that we get the, the slight hint here Michael where Dr. Champ meets Mr. Peanut Butter for the first time he says oh my god your name's Mr. my first name's Doctor <laughs> <laughs> at which Bojack obviously questions and says wait a minute are you not a doctor and he <laughs> answer he just wanders off it says, hey, let's stop. We go, let's go somewhere else. So maybe, just maybe, Michael, Dr. Champ might not be Doctor. <laughs> Who knows? A great way to get around that one, isn't it? Just make your first name Doctor. <laughs> um, also, outside of Prestigious, in a little like um, sort of transitional shot before we go back in to one of the sessions, um, there's, a, there's a nice gag where there's two women, or, sorry, a woman and a man smoking outside. Um, the woman is just smoking normally, but the man person is an octopus person who has multiple cigarettes in their tentacles and is smoking like eight at a time (laughs) i mean i can't advise that for anybody but uh, a good gag nonetheless but then we go back inside um and brilliantly inside the sort of meet and greet area once again um the monkey man who we've seen who is going through therapy as well um is knitting a scarf for himself michael presumably as a relaxation method and it's just a green scarf with a banana on it, which I just thought <laughs> it's such a stupid pop, but it's got one from me nonetheless. Um, we cut across from there to what I believe is Sandro's place, but if it's not, it's Todd eating a meal somewhere. Uh, he's on the phone to Princess Karen. And just a shout out to Todd, he's so stupid. And he's so stupid, and he's having such a casual male day in this episode that he gets mm. to do this, Michael, when he's on the phone to Princess Karen. And she just realises that she might not have a child for two days that's been missing after she comes out of her relaxation moment. Todd says, hey, I was wondering if I'd hear from you 
Today. He says, yes, today. I thought, maybe I'll hear from her tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> He's such an idiot. But I tell you what, he makes it work for me. Um, mm. From there also, we get um, Todd as well. If you look at what he's eaten, he's eaten like what seems to be spaghetti and meatballs, Michael. But when you look a bit closer, it's not. It's spaghetti, tomato sauce, and Reese's cups, like the peanut butter cups that you get that are covered in sauce and spaghetti. It's stupid. But there you go. Todd is back to eating daft things in the show, mm-hmm. which he uses, or usually did, sorry, before he was a big exec, big wig over at what time is it right now? Um, the montage here of Todd, essentially, as we'll call it, Todd feeling upwards is what Princess mm. Carolyn referred to it as. For God's sake, man. Like, well, he just keeps falling into a better <laughs> meeting and a better meeting and a better meeting because he's a man in Hollywood, Michael. And mm. there's just some stupid stuff here. Obviously, there's all the gag to do with uh, Untitled Princess Carolyn Project. But he goes to one of the moments he goes past the first office, goes into the next one with a, um, a butterfly woman called Melinda Golightlier. Um, and her, she says... I'm in. Name your price. He's, and he says, uh, Jonathan, which is of course, <laughs> referring to Jonathan Price, the actor, the Welsh actor, who was in Tomorrow Never Dies as the villain was the first place I ever saw him. But he was more recently probably familiar and famous as the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones. You will remember him from. Right, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the guy. You know his face. Um, but just how stupid. Not <laughs> failing up, what's it? But then again, we go from there to him talking to Pinky Penguin at MBN offices where he's kind of progressed to at this point. Mm. And just a little note on Pinky, who apparently looks like he might be maybe having a bit of a rough go of things because he's sitting there with a bunch of slippers, like you can see in the foreground. Uh, there's an old takeaway cup around the uh, office. Mm. There's also a sleeping bag and pillows, Michael, which suggests... Oh, no. <laughs> maybe life at MBN is starting to head the way that Pinky Publishing did, or Penguin Publishing did a little while ago. God damn it, man. He can't even get a break because there in the background as well is an M- an MBN mug with his toothbrush in it. Oh, <laughs> oh Pinky, man. One day, it's going to go right for him, I swear. But as you mentioned brilliantly, he reveals a poster for Untitled Princess Carolyn Project, which in itself is so flawed because it still has the title Untitled Princess Carolyn Project on the poster. There's the little the, the tagline which reads, Love has a funny way of saving your life. And then a, <laughs> a silhouette of a person in a suit, which probably looks like a man as well, I should point out, just what an mm-hmm. assumption that is to make, um, with a circle around the head that just says, insert star here. Because <laughs> 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 that just hacks us. No wonder he's in a sleeping bag, Michael. Or a sleeping bag in his office, I should say. Um, but um, as a bit of time goes past, then we do come back to Pinky's office for the actual meeting. Um, and Princess Carolyn is the best. Um, obviously she turns up and manages to sort everything out again more on that in just a bit but brilliantly she brings out a bunch of birthday cards uh, while she's doing the pitch and I just love some of these one of them is happy birthday llama aunt one of them is (laughs) happy birthday inmate because obviously inmates still need birthdays Michael one of them is happy birthday bear easter a bear barista Michael who's done up in the air very good very good stuff and as I mentioned before Mr Peanut Butter's reactions to all of this pitch are worth your time he's so amazed at everything <laughs> because he's a dog Michael do you see what do you see what they're doing there uh, yeah, I don't know what they do we're nearly there Princess Carolyn's car uh, real quick gag this she's driving past heading back 
to Vim management to go and see what's going on. And she drives past a dog woman who is a Yorkie dog, presumably, uh, who has the little bow on her hair and the long hair with the beard and that. And as she drives past this woman, the, the gust of wind from her car messes the hair of this dog up, looks a complete disaster. Poor dog just can't get a break. I'm sure it might actually be the same dog, maybe, or one of the same, who gets splashed by a car in an earlier season and gets soaked mm. and wet. The gag felt very familiar, at least, if nothing else. And finally, we go to Vim Management. Uh, just a little quick gag here as well. Uh, and it, as the sort of aftermath of the gala or the ball or whatever it ended up being at Vim Management, you'll see a cleaner who is cleaning up the remaining apples, presumably the gala apples or the Fiji apples or whatever the hell they were. <laughs> he just wanted. And as he's trying to sweep them away, two fly people who were presumably at the party are like flying around the apples, trying to get into them at the last second and sort of eat away the dregs of them, but are shooed away by the cleaner's brush. Brilliant, that. Absolutely brilliant. But in terms of horsing around, those are all the bits from episode two of season six for your horsing around in this particular edition of Podcast Horseman. However, Michael, we might just have time. I mean, might, I say lightly, because it is. We are getting on. But we do have time for one last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this episode forever. Would you let it go first or second? Um, second, please, if it's okay. Ooh, mm. Very interesting. Look at you throwing curveballs. I like it. <laughs> I like. I mean, I'm not ready for it, but I like it. <laughs> so, all right, then I'll go first. Um, I did say we talked about this more a couple of times in the episode, and I think I'll just start touching on it now. Princess mm. Carolyn, Michael. What a goddamn powerhouse this woman is. Yes, she's having a hard go of it. In her, undoubtedly in her episode, that, as you mentioned, is her stupid piece of shit episode, essentially. We've seen Bojack have his, where it was all going very wrong for him and explored the mental health of his. We've seen uh, Beatrice having hers uh, as she basically was trying to figure out in Time's Arrow how to deal with her uh, deteriorating mental state with her dementia and stuff. Both mm. depicting these things and providing an animation and a sort of visual guide, if you will, to something that might be quite difficult to explain to people, which I thought they were both brilliant. And this does an equally brilliant job of explaining that through yeah. the animation, the difficulty that comes with being a parent and not just being a parent, but being a parent who wants it all as they continue to sort of reiterate in this episode. But I just want you to know that through all of that hardship that she goes through, Michael, Princess Carolyn is still the very best in the whole wide world and still manages to deliver the goods. Because not only, Michael, does she manage to manage her own life, but after that pep talk with Vanessa Gecko where she gets it all put into perspective for her, she manages to do it all. She really manages to do it all. She uh, manages to get a bunch of missing parts and pieces and players and find them all homes and create mm. a whole of all these parts a bit like she's done with her own life so of course we have birthday dad which is a bit of a loose end here it's been cut to bits it's not really fit to be a film anymore she decides we're going to make it into the tv show that'll work as a tv show so let's pitch that with that of course that gives them a tv slot and with that tv slot they need someone to direct flea daniels who i think we can all agree is probably not going to get too far with the diary of Anne frankenstein as he's figuring out no. along and is not going to be on the filming side of things with Birthday Dad, the film, that seems to have gone. <laughs> so here we are. Flea Daniels is booked to direct. And then to tie it all the way back, a woman who was wronged by the system is righted by the system as women supporting women managed to find the solution. Princess Carolyn, despite everything, Michael, does not forget the sort of 
terrible thing that happened to Karen Katara and brings mm. her in as the showrunner for this show, which not only that, Michael, but it also ties off neatly what the women of the uh, Women Who Do It All Club was saying, that the feminist um, nature of Birthday Dad was not ticking all the boxes. But yeah. wasn't that keen on that, and it's still, they actually even mentioned in there, the new feminism is supporting women or doing things that just support women, which ticks that box as well. So Princess Carolyn, who was overwhelmed, still manages to write the wrongs, even though maybe in her world they aren't wrongs, she still manages to write them with all of this. And of course, Michael, she manages to get Mr. Peanut Butter out of job, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> and keeps him at the uh, on, on, a, on a tight leash, I think it is to say, with this show. So that's how good she is. Despite the fact she's juggled all these things in her personal life, she still managed to do it all and have it all. And now, just maybe, of course, with that lovely ending, she's going to get it all as well. Princess Carolyn is the best, basically, is my one last thing. Yeah, it's great that it's the comparisons we make. Stupid piece of shit, Times Arrow, W others, it's typically um, doesn't afford the character much of a win. They don't necessarily get the W because that, that's not what this show is about. But of all the characters to do that with PC is the one because you believe it, you buy it. She's yeah. super credible. She's super efficient. And it's, it's yeah, it's lovely. It's as uh, Vanessa Gecko puts it to her in the context of a job. It's something that she will nail 10 times out of 10. So just apply that thought to the baby stuff and you can at least get some of the way there. Yeah, um, yeah well, again, my, my one last thing is on a sort of a, a similar course, should we say. It's about Vanessa Gecko. I got, kind of got two last things here, but it'll make sense at the end of it. Um, it's... Vanessa Gecko in this episode is obviously, we think when we still see them as rivals that she is pieing off a lot of work and putting it on the plate of uh, Princess Carolyn. And then as the episode draws to a close and for the first time our eyes are opened to these two not being rivals, we have been people making comparisons. We have been the villains of the piece and it is in fact a space for the pair of them to coexist. Um, she has done it. She's got through it without any help. Princess Carolyn's been asleep while the whole thing's been happening. What stuck out to me was that Vanessa Gecko is not the only person in her business. Rudebaker is part of this as well. He does not appear at all in the episode. Yeah. He has not played a single part in this. So even when, even when we see Gecko as a bit of a villain and a bit of you get all this done by, it's still her. It's not her plus partner. Rudebaker is not there at the end of the the shindig helping out. It's still all been her. So again, within her like it's it's just a nice sort of realization that within her own world, if there is going to be a baddie, and we know there's not baddies, we know that in that lovely subversion of it, it turns out that they were the good guys in that one story we had all those episodes ago. Um, she's still the best of the bunch. She's still the best of the two. She's still the one doing the work. And just that, I've just something just in my head there, like because of the stuff that they are creating and and the way that they're trying to go. I guess in this situation, Michael, you could even say that if content is king, then the context is the queen, isn't it? Oh, I, feel, I love that. Yes. And I feel like in this scenario, you've absolutely nailed it here because in that different context, we've always assumed she was the villain, like because of the direct sort of, you know, Princess Carolyn assumed she was the villain. So we did too because we just joined the bandwagon. We never sort of took a minute to go... Maybe there's two sides to this coin, even though it was shown to us. So, yeah, I love that. I really do. And I genuinely think that is so important. Sorry. I, I, content is king. Context is queen. Stick it on my grave. 
You can have it. I'll put it on. Just let on. Good content. At, at, at the at my funeral, will you do that speech and deliver it? Say it's like he always said, and then just attribute that quote to me, please. I mean, that's a pretty long Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> but this moves me to um, get indulgent, like we aren't already enough on this podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, Vanessa Gecko being the one person there. I assumed, and I remember at the time that we had a lot of, oh, you're a parent. Talk me through this bit. How did that feel? Blah, 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 blah. And I wanted to use one last thing to shout out to my wife, my better half, because um, there was Vanessa Gecko, somebody else's better half, as she was all those things on that mm. mug. Um, yeah, because it's nice to be able to give a bit of parental insight, but it's not like the woman's it's not um i can't pretend to be all the things that she had to be and still has to be present tense past tense every tense as the mother as the woman in our relationship and in my children's life and all that sort of thing and it just it gave me pause for that because it made me think of the when we first started recording this podcast uh, right the way down to that the night that i was given back when we could still go outside and do this in studios and the like mm. um that was a night where beds and baths were done solely by her so I could be a stupid piece of shit, talking about a stupid piece of shit. And now we find ourselves, the bulk of this has been recorded, of course, in the pandemic, where she has just been a warrior all over again for all of us. Um, and indeed, once a week at least, I basically annexed the kitchen of our house away from her to be able to do this daft stuff while she covers bedtime, whilst she covers other duties and things like that. There is always a woman existing so a man can be a stupid piece of shit. and i just want to acknowledge the one the one most relevant to me doing that in my life um yeah that was what it stuck out to me at the time and it's what stuck out to me when i was reviewing this episode and particularly in that little moment of gecko flying solo kind of keeping the train on the tracks um we're all knackered without them man we are i mean they are the best aren't they i mean basically what you've essentially said here is that we are we are Todd, is what you've just said. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Toddy, we are doing a Toddcast, courtesy of your excellent better half. Doing a um, Toddcast. Doing a Toddcast, which is wonderful. I would also like to shout out your better half, because she is the better half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I've met you, I've met you many, many times. I've only met her a few times, uh, always briefly in past, and you're always there as well, which has always been a bit of a letdown. Mm -hmm. But I can, I can back this up by saying that this podcast would not exist without Michael Hanford's better half, and therefore we all should be giving love to the wonderful <laughs> Mrs. Hanford. So thank you very much. Uh, I might even do a podcast about her when we're done, because she's that great. <laughs> podcast Hanford. Yeah, podcast Hanford. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. So, oh, God, don't give him any ideas. Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> anyway, with that said, though, that those are all of the things from this particular episode of Bojack Horseman and indeed Podcast Horseman. All that remains is for us to plug our lovely little podcast that we mm. owe all to Michael's better half pretty much. And Michael coming up with an idea a long, long time ago. Um, yeah, if you want to follow this podcast and show some support for it, please do uh, follow us on all socials where the good ones are at Podcast Horseman. And quick shout out as well. Thank you to uh, Bojack Hidden Jokes who was plugging the podcast for us the other yeah. day. 
Instagram and thank you to all of our new followers who may have joined as a result of that. We do appreciate it. We love talking ourselves horse about a talking horse, this very specific one, and it's nice to have you all along for the journey too. If you'd like to follow either of your hosts, you can also do that as well. You can follow us, follow us, you can follow me, sorry, on Twitter or Instagram at it's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we would love you to subscribe or follow, depending on what version of the app you've got on Spotify, where you can follow on Amazon, where you can, I guess, fund whatever daft stuff Jeff Bezos is going to get up to, even though he's left. I'm sure he's going to be taking a piece of the pie still, you know, he's like going into space with it or something. Um, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, you can get podcast horsemen. As Nicholas pointed out, we have indeed had a slight influx. Thank you to Bojack Hidden Jokes. And if this is your first time listening and you're hearing this, thank you. What are you doing? Get all the way back to the very beginning. We've got a vast archive there from the very beginning. Season one, episode one for you to listen and catch up on. We'd love you to Go on the whole journey with us. Um, on any of those apps where you're able to leave us a five-star review, we would, of course, love that. Said at the start of the episode, it gets us up the charts. It gets more people talking themselves horse about talking horse. And it can get you a star on our Hollywood Talk of Fame, which is what it's done for Kitey15. I'm going to take a gamble on Kitey15, K-Y-T-E-Y 15. Thank you very much for your review. It says, hooray, the best podcast ever. It says, yes, this podcast is better than the podcast you like. Maybe joint with what culture wrestling. Yeah, we can agree with that too. And Bojack Horseman is better yeah. than the show you like. With great in-depth analysis and lots of laughs. This is a great podcast about the most underrated show ever. Do yourself a favour and watch the show and listen along. Thank you very much, Kitey15, for that review. It's everything we're after a review. And it indeed was the ultimate reason for the podcast to be in the first place. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame, winging its way to you over our socials very soon. I've got to be honest, throughout all of this, I've just been thinking about you describing the ultimate version of, I say ultimate, maybe the ultimate frustration, frustrating version of pie in the sky with Jeff Bezos going to the moon. <laughs> That's literally all I've been sitting here thinking about. Now I really want some pie. So there you go. Um, oh, there you go on I... Amazon. They'll probably have one delivered on Prime in 24 hours. You know, the person will get there. Oh, Amazon Prime, is it? <laughs> Amazon Prime. Right, before this completely goes off the friggin' cliff edge. I will quickly take you across because I've already lost Michael, he's gone. But before uh, uh, this just oh, finished, let's quickly do the synopsis for season six, episode three of Bojack Horseman. It's entitled Feel Good Story. Girl Crush sends Diane on the road with rugged cameraman Guy, but she balks when they ask her to produce more feel good stories. I tell you what, it's not often you get some feel good stories in Bojack Horseman, is it? But the promise of some comes in the next episode. And we might finally get to find out what the hell's going on with Diane, who's been giving us a few mm. teases over the last couple of episodes. But if you want to find out all about that, well, guess what? You've got to come back next week. You've got to watch it all again, you poor saps. You. Thank, thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> we love you very much. Anyway, with that said, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Piecast Horseman. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.